Hi, ladies. So this week, we're going to be focusing on strategies five and six and fervent. And I actually wanted to take some time. Um, these are actually two short ones. Um, but I wanted to take some time on the first four strategies. I just didn't want to rush through this book. But I also want to stay on track. We have to be adamant. We have to be faithful as well. But um, I advise not to rush through the strategies, but to actually implement them. And let me tell you, the enemy has been trying to attack. He understands that prayer is our ultimate weapon in the name of Jesus. And he has been trying to attack. So make sure that you are fasting. Make sure that you are praying. Um, be careful of the enemy's tactics. Remember, the Bible says he's the prince of the powers of the air. So he's going to be playing with your mind and stuff when you're um, on social media. If you are on social media, be careful of what you're watching on television. Be careful what you're listening to. Be mindful that the Bible does say that he is the prince of the powers of the air. So be very, very mindful of that. Um, this is war. This is not a game. This is not a game. So um, this week, we're going to focus on strategy number five and strategy six, which is your fears. You're passing your fears and understand that this this war, when you become a warrior woman, it's just that this is not a game. It's not a game. Um, time is running short for Satan and the fallen angels. And I don't want to get into all that for people who may not even understand that. Um, but this is a spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. And that is why we must pray in the name of Jesus because Jesus has defeated everything on the cross. And that's not a relevant truth. That's the absolute truth. So whether you believe it or not does not make it untrue. It is still very real that Jesus Christ has given us victory on the cross. We have to walk in that authority. So this is not a game, but the attacks have come. The enemy sees that we are we are making progress. We are interrupting some things somewhere. So keep praying, ladies. Keep fasting, ladies. Um, and keep building your spirit, man, the Holy Spirit in you. Because the, the enemy is, is scared. He is scared. But without further ado, let's jump right into this week's strategies. Strategy number five, your past, ending the reign of guilt, shame, and regret. If I were your enemy, I'd constantly remind you of your past mistakes and poor choices. I'd want to keep you burdened by shame and guilt in hopes that you'll feel incapacitated by your many failings and see no point in even trying again. I'd work to convince you that you've had your chance and blown it that your God may be able to forgive some people for some things, but not you, not for this. It's awful and it's personal, 
a personal unwelcome, unwarranted attack. Using your forgiven past to poke holes in your future. But that's exactly what the enemy does. He absolutely loves living in the past. In your past, in my past. And why not? Some of his best opportunities to sabotage our potential comes from there. He carefully archives footage from our history so that he can pull from those files and remind us what our days of defeat, sin, and failure look like. You've seen them, same as I have a million times. If your life is anything like mine, I'd imagine he's turned every room in your house into a screening room at one time or another, popping one of his old favorites into the player for his amusement, for our humiliating shame and embarrassment. It's a painful thing to watch, even in reruns, especially in reruns, because every time he cues it up again, it's with the fresh intent of mocking and maligning us, making us feel as unforgiven and unforgivable as possible. And then even pointing the finger at all the other people who are more to blame, more at fault than we should ever consider ourselves to be. If he can't make us feel judged, he'll try turning us into judges. So it's quite a show he puts on and quite depressing, mostly because as he loves reminding us, we're the ones who've given him so much material to work with. Under more constructive circumstances, we might actually be able to learn from it, see another option we could have taken to avoid what ultimately happened. In order to not be so rash or gullible next time, we might be able to teach from it help steer others who might one day face the same set of choices. Our children, for example, toward an alternate ending that's likely to result in something more favorable for them. But in the hands of the enemy, it's always a horror film. Run from it, hide from it, keep living and reliving it over and over again with no resolution, just a persistent dread and heartache, never out of range from his cackling, accusing reappearance always at risk for having it jump up and scare us just when we thought we and god had finally settled it for good and that's how instead of living with assurance we become bombarded with shame instead of celebrating god's grace we feel undercut by continual guilt over the same old things instead of experiencing the ongoing residual blessings of being regenerate by his spirit all things new we're caught in the spin cycle of ceaseless regrets. But prayer, fervent, strategic prayer, can change things, even unchangeable things, even things as unchangeable as real life scenes from your past. What you did, what you didn't do, why you didn't, why you didn't. No, prayer doesn't wipe them all away, doesn't pretend they never happened. And no, it doesn't remove every natural, logical consequence from playing itself out. But just as God says to the ocean waves in Job 38, 11, thus far you shall come and no farther. He has given us prayer to raise us up above the sea level of Satan's assaults from our past.